morning. It's good to see you this morning, and I wish for you the peace of Christ be with you. It is a morning in this area of Buffalo when many people have some very heavy hearts. Um, and we decided, or I decided, to light the candles that we had for Mother's Day rather than take them down, to light them as a sign, a beacon, that the only peace we have in Christ is the peace of knowing, of the light in the world that cannot be extinguished no matter what happens. And so we are so very grateful for the healing and hopeful presence of Christ in the face of death and destruction and fear. We come on this beautiful morning to celebrate life and baptism. We come on this beautiful morning to celebrate the presence of Christ among us. And so we will begin our worship. One announcement that I have is that um, you may or may not know that the church has what's called a parsonage. The parsonage is the house next door on that side. And the parsonage is a home, typically on church property, but not always, for um, one of the pastors to live in. And our parsonage uh, fund was used up in 2020 um, when it was renovated, um, and now it's been used up again because we've had appliances who have just, poof, done what appliances do. So if in your heart and mind you should be moved to give to the Parsonage Fund, that's what it's called, um, to help us to support that for the rest of 2022, uh, we would appreciate any donations um, given in your generosity. Thank you, um, and good morning. Good morning, everyone. And good morning to those joining us from home. There's an old saying that singing causes us to pray twice. And we pray for those with heavy hearts, but we also pray for those that may not yet know the transformational power of Christ. So our two opening songs, the first one, My Hope is Built, focuses on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, and we'll move right into evidence, and hopefully we can all make that choice to see the evidence of the goodness of God in our lives, even in the midst of dire circumstances. So I invite you to stand for our two opening songs. Trust the sweetest friend. 
you may be seated. Good morning, church. As we come to our time of worship today, we know we have so much that we are joyful for as we celebrate baptism, but this is a heavy day. This is a hard day, and we will not run from that. But as our hearts are open to the movement of God, as we continue our sermon series called Emerge, I invite you to this time of praying together. The prophet asks, can our soul-weary bones live again? We ask, can we dance again after mourning, loss, and grief? The gift is sure and unmistakable. Let us celebrate the gift of God's new life. And with that, we move to a special time of baptism. Louis going to come and help me as we prepare the stage here, and then we will celebrate welcoming a new brother in faith. So, Allie and Joe, come on up. Here, I'm going to get the water from the phone. You come on this side. <laughs> That'll work. There are few things in the life of the church that we celebrate like a baptism because we know what it means. It means someone saying yes to God. And we, as a community of faith, get to be a part of this joy because it's not just simply a private saying yes, that we make promises to this person, this person makes promises, and in this case, we're going to have his parents make promises on his behalf because God is already at work in Archer's life but we're going to say things that we intend to do and promises we intend to keep as he grows up. And that is a beautiful and amazing thing. How are you doing this morning, buddy? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know, right? <laughs> so, brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church which is not simply the here and now, but is into whatever church and faith community we find ourselves in. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. Today we come together as Archer's family, godparents, and friends to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Let's pray. Gracious God, every child is a miracle of love, 
And today we thank you for the miracle of Archer. Hold him in the gentleness of your hands and his family in the bonds of patient love. May this little boy grow in the way of faith and grow to be close to you, close to his grandparents, godparents, family, and forever close to his mother and father. Let him be aware of your tender care and your righteousness calling in his life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So Joe, Allie, and Archer have an amazing support system. Those of you present, grandparents, godparents, and family, and those who are not with us, even though they are not here in person, you make up an incredible support system for this family. Each of you has prayed for, supported, comforted, and encouraged Joe and Allie as they have become parents. You have loved them through hope, times of anxiety, lack of sleep, and celebration. That journey will forever be a part of your story as Archer's very special family and friends. So I have a special thing to ask all of you. As his grandparents, godparents, family, and friends, do you promise to surround them with love, inspire them with faith, Support Joe and Allie as they raise Archer. Will you pray for their marriage, their parenting, and their family? If you will do whatever you can to fulfill this awesome calling, will you say yes? yes. Let us offer this prayer for each and every one who loves this little boy so very much. Heavenly Father, you have given Archer to this family and to so many friends. We all thank you for this little boy. Lord, please bless everyone with enthusiasm for each relationship. Bless us with patience as Joseph and Alexandra parent Archer and have loving patience with Archer always. Lord, bless us with stories of faith. Let us share you and your love with Archer that he might grow to know you So there are some special things we have to say, okay? And so I'm going to talk to the two of you, and you're saying this, especially on his behalf today. So I will tell you how to respond, but let's do these things together. On behalf of the whole Christian church, do you come with your whole hearts before God, your family, your children, and these witnesses as people of faith? And do you promise to reject all that is evil in this world? If so, say we do. we do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist all that is evil, all injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say we do. Do you confess your belief in God the Creator, Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior, and to the best of your ability, put your trust in God's grace and promise to be faithful to God? If so, say we do. Will you, as Archer's parents, nurture him in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and your example, he may be guided to the point in his life whereby he accepts God's grace for himself, professes his faith openly, and agrees to live a Christian life? If so, say we will. Will you make every attempt to provide a Christian upbringing for Archer, 
giving him the opportunity when he is old enough to learn about God, the Bible, and Christ's holy church. If so, say we will. Let me through here. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, you have always brought forth water for your people. You created the world and waters that nourish us. You sent living water through Christ and your spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water, an archer who will be baptized with it. Clothe him in righteousness through his entire life, that this day, being claimed by you as part of this household of faith, he will be marked forever with the sign of eternal life. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Can I see you for a minute, buddy? <laughs> yes, that's very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> it's very exciting, isn't it? Okay. And what name is given this child? Archer Joseph. Archer Joseph. I baptize you in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's cool. You want some more? Yeah, that's enough. Let us welcome our brother in faith. (laughs) Back to mom. All right. And for the two of you. Here is his certificate of baptism and a little Bible to start him on his way. Amen. I realized when I said good morning that I didn't tell you or remind people online who I am. Pastor Kathy Hall Stengel, one of the pastors here. There are three of us who serve um, on a, in the worship setting as pastors leading this congregation. We come to this time of offering and we're mindful of people that we hear about on a regular basis and even yesterday who gave their all to try to protect other people. We serve a God who sent Jesus Christ to save us all from what is evil in the world, including our own sins. And so we come to this time of offering, an offering of who we are, of our trust, of our hope. So I invite you, as you feel led, to give in the ways that are on the screen and uh, be of a generous and glad heart in this space. Amen. We have new birth in water and the spirit, and what a beautiful ceremony and an adorable child. <laughs> and we have hope because he lives. <laughs> Thank you. 
God, we thank you for everything you've given us. We thank you for the joy and the happiness and the sadness and the sorrow. Everything we have comes from you. And at this time, we give of ourselves back to you. We give our our talents and our offerings so that you may help us do your work in the world and further your name. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm asking at our time of joys and concerns that we join our hearts with the people in the churches in Buffalo and we take a moment of silence to remember those that were lost yesterday. God, we live in a troubled world where sometimes it feels like hate has taken over. We ask that you help us to spread your joy and your love. We ask that you look over those who have lost loved ones this week and whose hearts are heavy and full of sorrow. May you be the comforter May you help us offer them words of assurance and love and caring. In our troubled world, God, we ask that you help us be that shining light to those who need it. No matter what they're struggling with at this time, those that are fighting in Ukraine and our military. We ask that you watch out for each one of them. And oh God, we have so many things on our hearts, whether it's our children or the fear that they're facing or the families of the people or in the neighborhood yesterday. Offer comfort because you are our comforter. Help us bring your love and your light into this world. In your name we pray. Amen. morning. The scripture today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 44. <coughs> Excuse me. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was she saw and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could he not, who opened the eyes of a blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor and he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Loving and gracious God, we are grateful for this morning. Grateful that we are able to find joy in the midst of so many other emotions. And as we come this day, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to what you are doing. Plant that seed in us that will grow and bear fruit for the honor and the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So I was having a conversation with my mom once, and she said something that almost insulted me. And she accused me of being a morning person. Now, 
If anybody knows what I'm like in the morning, it would have been her. And of course, my wife would testify to what I'm like in the morning, although she usually sleeps later than me. Now, this thing about the conversation I was having with my mom comes to the fact that I think there's a very real difference between waking up early and being a morning person. Now, I've always had to wake up early because that was just the nature of my schedule. I don't think that makes me a morning person <laughs> because I have an Aunt Yvonne. Now, Aunt Vonnie is a morning person. She's one of those people who rolls out of bed, and her energy is good. She's smiling. She's humming. She's just ready to attack the day. To me, that's what it means to be a morning person. That ain't me. It takes me a little while to get going in the morning. Usually, and it takes a lot of caffeinated help, too, before I feel I'm present in the day. I don't know about you, how many of you see yourselves as morning people? <laughs> yeah, you wake up well, right? <laughs> you wake up good. I don't know what mystery of life God has working in you, but more power to you. <laughs> this thing about waking up well is, as I said, it's kind of a mystery to me. But when you wake up, no matter whether you wake up with good energy or whether it takes you a little bit to get going, everybody has that period, whether it's just a couple of seconds or whatever it is, where you got to sort of reorient yourself, right? You just come out of that place of deep slumber and you're not exactly sure where you are yet, and you kind of wake up and you realize it's a new day and it's time to get started. And like I said, for some, that is a process. For others, it takes a while. I want you to think about this waking up moment in the context of the story we read today. Because waking up, as I said, is difficult sometimes. But can you imagine waking up like Lazarus? Lazarus's perspective on this is one that I find pretty interesting. We don't really try and talk, we don't really talk much about Lazarus's point of view. There's reasons for that. One, because Lazarus doesn't actually have a voice in the story. We talk a lot about Lazarus, but Lazarus doesn't talk. The other piece is that the point of the story is about what God is doing. And so we don't really talk so much about what did Lazarus think or feel, etc. But if you think it's hard to get out of bed in the morning, I want you to consider what it would have been like to see a strange light and not be sure where that light was coming from. To wake up and be surrounded by a smell a smell you probably would recognize, but a smell you don't want to be anywhere near. To be on a concrete or stone slab, not exactly sure where you're at. And who knows what his last memory would have been. He was probably in his bed. 
he was probably surrounded by those he loved. And he was probably hanging on to hope that Jesus might come. But then, the illness took over. And from his point of view, the lights went out. I want you to think about that moment. That Lazarus moment, we'll call it today. And I want you to hang on to that for a minute. As we consider this idea of our sermon series called Emerge as we talk about waking up. Now, to understand this story, we got to spend a little moment. And to understand this moment, we got to walk through the story a little bit. Now, for those of us who've been in the church for a while, this is a pretty familiar story. We've probably heard it multiple times. We've probably learned it in Sunday school. And it's a big deal. This story is a huge deal because nobody can do what Jesus can do. And to really unpack the story a bit, remember we enter into verse 17. And to appreciate how verse 17 starts, you've got to know a little bit about what happens before this. Jesus is teaching somewhere else. And word reaches him that Lazarus is ill. Now, John the gospel writer, tells us that Jesus had a special friendship with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, that he had love for them. Jesus loves us all, of course, but John makes a point of saying there was something special about their friendship. And after Jesus gets this news, Jesus says something, then Jesus does something that makes people a little weird. He says, first, this illness has not come for death. It has come so that God will be glorified in it. Which the disciples are kind of like, cool, we've seen that before. (laughs) Because Jesus has healed lots of people. But then, Jesus stays where he is for two days. Which is kind of, (laughs) Because if you would think that we're going to go and help our friend, Everybody starts grabbing their stuff. But Jesus stays where he is another two days. And that's why when we come to this point of entry into where we read today, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's an important point. Because during the time period, Jewish people believed that the spirit of a body hung around for a couple of days before went off to the next level. And so, for Jesus to get there and find that Lazarus had been entombed for four days, one of the things that John is trying to tell us is that by every measure that everybody at the time understood, Lazarus was dead. There were really no questions about it. It wasn't some sort of medical mistake and he might wake up on his own, that there was no chance that something might just kind of fix itself. He was dead. And everybody understood him to be dead. So Jesus arrives. And he has this conversation with Martha. And this conversation with the sisters 
is one that we would probably have too. I would be in this place as well, especially if you know Jesus and you have counted on him and you know that he does these miraculous things, that God is at work in him. You get that. You understand that. And you send for help. And so you presume, like Martha, that if he didn't get here, there must have been a reason. But you still kind of have these feelings. Which is why she greets him with that sentence. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's understandable. But here's the thing. What we see in this conversation is very telling. Because as much as they love Jesus, and as, as much as they have faith in Jesus, they still don't get Jesus. They still don't really get Jesus. And that is a really important point that we need to hang on to today. So let's hear this dialogue real quick, and I want you to pay attention to two things that happen in it. So we're starting at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, God's son who is coming into the world. After this, she went and spoke privately to her sister Mary. The teacher is here, and he is calling for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. He hadn't entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were comforting Mary in the house saw her get up, and quickly, get up quickly and leave, they followed her. They assumed she was going to mourn at the tomb. When Mary arrived where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Here's what I want you to see in this. When he's having this conversation with Martha, and Jesus talks about your brother will rise again, Martha is looking forward to Judgment Day. She's looking forward to the time when all will be resurrected. She's believing in her faith. She says, there is a time coming when all will rise. But here's what Jesus wants us to hear. Here's what Jesus wants her to hear. Because his response to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. Me, here, now, this flesh and blood being standing in front of you, I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha's thinking way off somewhere someday. And the grace, the love, the power 
of God is in front of her in this man right here, right now. And the question that Martha and all of us have to grapple with is when we think of who God is, when we think of who Jesus is to us, do we believe in someone who is way over there, way off somewhere else? Or do we believe in a God who is here now and capable of more than we can ever imagine? Because if your God is a way over there God, if your God is a someday God, then it's really hard to get through these times when it feels like the world is winning. Because you have a pie in the sky over there faith, as opposed to a right here, right now, almighty God. That makes a huge difference. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate. I am right here, right now. Do you believe that? Because if you lose that, then it's really hard to walk in faith in the world. We're not just talking about abracadabra magic. We're talking about the grace and the power of a living Lord. And you can see it as the dialogue unfolds because Jesus becomes more troubled is the word that we read. Because he loves them and they love him. But they don't understand. And as we see, Mary and Martha don't get it. He has this dialogue with the disciples before he leaves, and they don't get it. And of course, those who don't understand, those who have come to comfort the sisters, don't get it. And that's why we see Jesus do this. In verse 33, John tells us, When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. Different translations will say he groaned in his spirit. But that groan, if you look at the word, goes deeper than just he's sad. Sometimes people read the story and they think he's grieving Lazarus. That's not really where Jesus' head is at. What Jesus is saying, he's looking at us. He's looking at these people, even those who love him, and they still don't understand. Even after all he's done, even after all he said, that people still don't quite get what he's doing and who he is. He goes with the sisters to the tomb. And we get to that verse that many of us know, where it says, Jesus wept. It's a very powerful moment to think of Jesus being moved to tears. We know that he was moved to tears at the death of his cousin. And we see him moved to tears here again. Some of you are aware that one of the ministries of our church 
is a ministry called Grief Share. It's a program, a 13-week curriculum we do for those who have lost someone to help them as they take their walk through that hard, hard time. I've facilitated that program myself, but right now Leslie and Sue lead that for us. There's a session in Grief Share that talks about believing in the resurrection. And in that session, one of the participants says the following. He points to this story and talks about what it means not only to believe in resurrection, but he talks about the idea of Jesus wept. And he says something very powerful. He says, it's hard to put into words what it means to have a savior who will weep with me. I want you to sit with that for a minute. What it means to have a savior that will cry with me. Jesus not only cries with us, Jesus cries for us because he understands that there's this thing about us that can't quite grasp that everything is possible with God. We say it, and our hearts go there, but we are still trapped in our earthly and human minds. That we go, science works this way, and so when you present this problem, then there has to be an answer that fits in what I understand. But when God says, I can do more than you understand, we can't quite process it. And so when Jesus cries, when Jesus weeps, he understands our broken hearts and he understands how we are trapped. But then he shows us who he is. Because even though there are clearly doubters around, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? There are doubters in the space. And so he shows us who he is. This is where I'd like us to go back to that Lazarus moment. Because as I said, Waking up is hard. But when you move to this place where you can wake up, and not only wake up from a good night's sleep, but wake up from a place of death, things are really changing. Because some of us don't even capture how we might be caught in a place of death. Because we may have bought into some thinking that has us caught in a place of death. We may be limited in our bodies in a way that have us ready to give up. And we may have bought into some ideas that have us thinking in a place of death. Our hearts may be twisted into something that says that the world works a particular way. And in a time like today, in a time where we know that there is hate that is moving and active, 
active in the world and is willing to work its will and take human life. We have known this throughout human history, but to have it hit this close to home should scare and alarm and motivate all of us on a different level. But we could give up and stay in a place of death. We could be bound and we could surrender and stay there. But that is not what it means to be believers in a God of resurrection. Because death doesn't have the final word. And so if you may be in a place today where some of that thinking has you trapped in a place of death. Hear this moment. Because you may be bound. You may be surrounded by that smell. You may be in that place, not sure what's happening or what's going on around you, but there is a light. The light comes into that place. The light comes into that room. In other words, Jesus says, take the stone away. And the light is present. And then, not only do you see the light, but Jesus calls you by name. This is not an accident. This is not random. Jesus calls you by name. Lazarus, come forth. He calls you by name. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. And he does not want you to stay there. Lazarus, come forth. Will you wake up? Will you respond When he calls. Because when Lazarus goes out, Jesus is clear. Take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Don't stay bound by the ways of death. Set him free. Let's have life again. Take off the grave clothes. Untie him. Let him go. Whatever may have you trapped, especially as we sit in a space after such a horrible act in our midst. Horrible acts are becoming far too common. We know this. We in a world that is deeply troubled and disturbed. One of the worst things we could do is to let this remain just another day. Whether we give in to fear and stay trapped in a place of death. Whether we give in to cynicism and hate and stay trapped in a place of death. Or worse yet, whether we have just gotten so numb that we forget how horrific this is and just treat it like another day, we stay trapped in a place of death. But our Lord calls today. 
our Lord calls today and says, don't stay there. Lazarus, come forth. Wake up. Untie the grave clothes. Let him go. Whatever it is, church, whatever it is that God may be doing in you, how hard it may be to break free of it, whether you feel that it is one and you just have to surrender. Know that your God is a God of resurrection. Your God is almighty and your God is a God of love and a God of grace. And he will not leave you in that place. Wake up and be transformed by him. Because your struggle is not simply for your pain. God can transform your struggle for God's glory. Be free. And let's wake up to the new day God plans. Amen? And amen. Loving and gracious God, we are so grateful that you are who you are. We are so grateful that you come to us in love. That even in your almighty sovereign power, you know each of us by name. You love each of us beyond measure. And even though you know that our faith seems to be bound by our earthly limits, you weep with us, you work with us, and you continue to lead us. You give yourself to save us, and you call to us when we are lost. Lord God, we have not words for it. There are no ways to match it. But Lord, know our hearts. Take our hearts today that we may go with you, that we may be transformed, that we may wake up and make today different than yesterday. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us each in your own image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And you set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. We come in the wake and serve and worship in the light of Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sins of the world, who came to deliver people from slavery to sin, injustice, and whatever binds us to freedom and life and life everlasting. Once we had no God that we knew, but now we are your people. You have called us and we have said yes, declaring your wonderful deeds. You called us out of darkness into light. And when the Lord ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and spirit. On the night that he gave himself up for us, he lifted the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it giving it to his disciples and saying, Take and eat from this, all of you, for this is we eat in remembrance of the body of Christ. And he said, Do this in remembrance of me, my body broken for you. And likewise, at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God who had given the fruit of the vine. And he said, Drink from this, all of you. Do this in my memory that my blood is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. On the day that God, you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of the, your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we come and we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome everyone, all the time, anyone who would like to come to receive a piece of bread and dip it into the cup. We use grape juice for communion, and we invite you to come to any one of the stations. There'll be a gluten-free station over here. Um, both stations also have 
prepackaged communion if you're more comfortable with that, gluten-free on this side and regular with gluten over here. Um, and so I just want you to know, come when you're ready. When I call you after I serve the servers and our musicians, we will invite you to come. come up and join us, those who would like to receive. It's a dance.
We're going to close the service with singing a song that tells us the truths about our God. If you'd like to continue your praise and worship, I'd invite you this evening to our last gathering service at 6.30 until September. The chorus of this song says, Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, I invite you to stand. Of the blind, so 
As you go forth from this place today, know that God has called you forward. God has called you out of the place of death. Be a difference maker for him in the world today. Now in the name of God, our creator and king, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, our counselor and our sustainer. May God bless us as we leave to love and serve God and all God's children. Amen.